Wow. <laughs> Where do you go from here? I mean, it's just wild, isn't it? God is so good and so much good stuff happening. We're in a series uh, this month focusing on God as our Father. And part of the inspiration for that series is something that happened back last month. And so, David, you and Joy are here. Why don't you just come up and tell us a little bit about yourself and... Um, Joy, you want to come too? Come on, let's have both of you. <laughs> I always need Joy. There we go. That's, a, that's the answer, isn't it? <laughs> so welcome back. Glad to have you. And uh, let's tell us a little bit about what God did uh, back on whatever it was, September. It was about a month ago, isn't it? Yes, about a month ago. Do you want me to hold this I'll one? Hold Got it. <laughs> 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 I've been a pastor for 30 years, so it's always like, <laughs> anyways. Um <laughs> Anyways, about, it's about a month ago, yeah. and um, I've been really burnt out, and we uh, just left uh, a church I pastored in South Fort Myers, Florida, and um, I was looking, and I, this is what I want to say, and I think this is a really, um, it's, when you have these kinds of conversations, it's always difficult to be up front, right? And to be able to let things that are up front become loud, right? <laughs> right? <laughs> right? Well, this didn't happen exactly that way, but God was loud to me when I was, uh, I, in that morning, um, I was, I looked up this church, and I decided that I wanted to come and check it out, and we were doing a vacation here, uh, and uh, staying down by the beach, and uh, I got up that morning, I thought, oh, uh, you know, there was no pre-call or anything <laughs> like that, and I said, oh, it's just, I'm too tired to go this morning, and then, it, then a wrestling match started happening with me. You ever had that? You just go, you know you need to go, right? <laughs> right? You start wrestling around with, oh, I'm just a little tired this morning. Oh, I, I don't feel spir you know, you're spiritually amped up to come. And that's just the lies of the enemy, isn't it? But so anyways, um, I, uh, the reason why I looked at this is because I was honest with myself. And, it, and that's one thing you have to do is really be honest with yourself. Mm -hmm. And you just have to look inside yourself and just say, there's a lot of religious clutter in me. And there's a lot of things that in that clutter, you can really pretend, you can really pretend that God's really doing a lot of stuff. But it's clutter. Mm -hmm. And it's, and you just don't, you did, didn't feel that heart connection with God. And uh, so, um, and one of the reasons I began to pursue that was because you're, you're really sitting in a place that, that loves the Father's heart. Yep. And, and that's and helps tune you in. Very important, tune you into the Father's heart. Yes. I mean, how valuable is that, right? So um, I got arrived here, and then we you went through your services, and you're always seeing new things. And I, I love the warmth of the people that I met here. I mean, we can't have stuff like this going on without the the Holy Spirit bringing that level of warmth, right? Invading that kind of land of your comfort zone, right? Always know that. That wherever that comfort zone is, is always a stop sign to the Lord, right? And so after the end, of, we started a conversation, and I just said that um, that I'm struggling to really define the Father's love. Mm. Really struggling. And I've been in ministry 30 years, but struggling. Mm. And, and so then Mark says, well, I want to minister. I'd like to minister to you. So he gives me this hug, Okay. 
I'm just telling you the truth. So you know what I'm saying? Getting past the comfort zone. And the, everything inside me just wanted to, like, you know, push the way, the hug, the spiritual hug. Right? Come on. Mm -hmm. It wanted to push it away. And something was happening. Something was happening. Amen? Yes. Something real and alive and love that I need to have in there about God. Folks, if it isn't real and it isn't there, you just got to be honest about it. And so I just finally gave up and just said, you know, Lord, have it. I don't want to be this way. This, you're taking this man who will do make this kind of a spiritual presentation of you, right? And that's what you've seen this morning, is spiritual presentations, mm -hmm. right? It's, it's, I mean, thank God it went before worship. What do we worship God about? How about just that, yes. that we have these kinds of spiritual things happening? Boy, yes. I'm past two minutes. I'll get to the finish line <laughs> right here. So anyways, I got touched in a great way. And it revived me, and I'm in love with the Lord. I just feel fire. There's something growing in that love. I'm still wrestling with it because it's a pretty big thing to wrestle with, especially when you've been in, in, in with the Lord for 40 years and pastor for 30 years, and you have to go, I didn't have that, mm -hmm. right? And now I do. Yes. I'm still trying to figure out what that is. <laughs> so amen. And so yes. and this is my amazing wife, Dred. I don't know if you have any comment to say. <laughs> Well, I think we're both on this journey. You know, I'm a little church kid raised in the church and know the do's and don'ts, yeah. you know. But do I really know the love of God the way that he wants me to know it? And I think all of us can say no. Yeah. So we're all on this journey together. We're excited about what's ahead, what he's got called, what he's calling us to do. And we just thank you that you've embraced us and allowed us to be part of your family and to help us on this journey. Wonderful. Thank you, Father. I was just going to say, yes, as these two go and sit back down again, let's have a few of our team just come and lay hands on you and pray with you because there's always more. All right? So um, I'm going to let you go back to your seats and let them do that, though, because uh, then uh, you, they can carry on while we look into the Word together. You never get to the end of what God wants to do. He wants to do more for you right now. And he's going to do more for you right now. Every one of you. Because it was no accident that you came this morning. You might have thought you were coming to meet somebody else or to check out what this new church is or, or any. But God had a plan because he loves you. <laughs> and last week we talked about how central our hearts are. Because too often the church has taught us to react and interact with God with our mind alone. And God doesn't want just your mind. He wants your whole life. And he wants your heart. And he's pursuing our hearts. And he's working in our hearts. So that we add to our knowledge the, 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 the experience of his love. Which is what David and Joy were talking about. You know, I, I called David just a day or two later just to catch up and see how they were doing. He said, Mark, I'm still trembling on the inside with something God has done. Because God got to his heart. A man who'd <laughs> done loads of stuff with his mind. He'd done all kinds of good stuff. But God got behind that and touched his heart. And God wants to touch each of our hearts. And that's how we're going to end up in a little while here this morning, is to have an opportunity where God can touch your heart in a deeper way. Because that is the most valuable thing we could give you uh, on a Sunday morning as we all gather together in the Lord's presence. So look with me. 
into uh, Matthew 18 for a second because I think this is one of the keys to how do I get that. You heard David say, you know, I've done 30 years of pastoring, but I don't know how to get it. And in Matthew 18 is part of the answer because most of us get hurt by life and get hurt by people and we put walls up and the walls that we put up to protect ourselves from the people around us actually keep God out and we need to take the walls down. And the key to that is forgiving those who've hurt us. But that is really hard, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, anybody had anybody hurt them that it was easy to forgive? Uh-uh. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm old enough to have been hurt by a lot of people in my life. And I've had to learn to forgive. But I want to show you something out of Matthew 18 here that I think will help you to forgive, not just with the will, because yes, it's important. People will say, well, you just need to choose to forgive, brother. You just need to choose to forgive. Well, okay, yeah, that's a good start. But actually, if I'm choosing, it's happening in my head. And what did I just say? God wants to get to my heart. And so God wants us to be able to forgive fully from the heart the people I've forgiven, I may have started off thinking, yeah, I choose to forgive them, but it kind of felt like just surface up here, and it and my heart was still going, yeah, but I'll get them if they come, you know. <laughs> I'll pay them back if I get the chance. or whatever. And Now, how much forgiveness was that? Well, a teensy, tiny, weeny bit, maybe, but no. We have to forgive from the heart, don't we? So look, uh, let me not chase squirrels. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Matthew 18, Peter, verse 21, Peter comes up and says to Jesus, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times. <laughs> so what's Peter doing here? He's saying, you know what, Jesus, I'm, I've got this choosing to forgive thing, you know. So if Corey get, does me wrong, uh, I'll forgive him. And if he does it again, I'll forgive him again. And then if he does it again, I'll forgive him again. And if he does it again, I'll forgive him again. I'm doing pretty well, right? That's four. Hey, if I'm really powerful, I could get up to seven. Is that enough? And Jesus is like, ha. Ha. We have it translated as 70 times seven. Any mathematicians? 400 and 490, okay. But actually an alternative translation, equally valid translation, would be 7 to the 70th power. <laughs> Boom. Mind blown. In other words, you count. Right? Jesus is saying, no, forget it. <laughs> you can't do it by choosing to forgive. And he tells a story. And I'm going to skim through it just for the sake of time. But he says, The kingdom of heaven's like a king who's wanted to settle, settle accounts with his servants. And when he began to settle, this guy was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. That's about the same size as the national debt in terms of those days. Yeah? So suppose you owe the national debt to the person sitting next to you. What chance do you have of repaying? Nil. Now let's think for a second, how did it get that way? How did this servant owe the king that much? It can't be because he wasn't paying his taxes because you don't build up that much. Yeah, paying, not paying your taxes is pretty tough. Not that I've tried it, but <laughs> chance would be a fine thing. But 
he had to have been stealing from the king to owe that much. Right? He's got to be taking what isn't his as well as not giving what he should for him to owe this much money. He's been stealing from the king. And you know what? People who sin against us are stealing from us, aren't they? Yeah? They steal joy. They steal freedom. They steal whatever, whatever way they stole from you. But the king has to count the cost because the servant begs for forgiveness. Well, actually, he doesn't. He begs for time. He says, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. <laughs> That's not going to happen, is it? He owes the national debt and he says, yeah, be patient. I'll pay you. Well, you're not going to live to three million years old, darling. <laughs> it's not going to happen. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. The master, the king, counted up how much the servant owed him and then let it go because he had compassion for him. Here's this poor little worm wriggling to try and get out of something that he's done wrong. Yeah? He's stolen all this money. The king's found him out. He's on the hook. <laughs> He's like, have patience with me and I'll pay it all back. And he can't. And the king's like, you know what? Just be free. It's okay. Because he had compassion. So put yourself in the place of the king. The king wanted everything to be right, didn't he, in his kingdom. That's why he's settling accounts with his servants. And here comes this guy who's stolen from him. And the king has to count the cost. He has to recognize what's been stolen. So my first question for you this morning is, are you willing to recognize and get in touch with what's been stolen from you by the, po the folks who've done you wrong? And let me say, as a father, the people who you most need to do this with are your parents. My kids need to do this in terms of the way Jane and I got things wrong when they were growing up. Now, we've asked them for forgiveness, and they kind of said they do, but actually there's still a deeper level of that for them to step into, just as we've had to do the same with our parents. And, and so, But it's not just your father and mother. There are other people in your life who've done you wrong as well. And the only way you can forgive from the heart is to begin to get in touch with what they owe you. That's the starting point. Recognize what they took. Recognize what they stole. And then recognize how incapable they are of repaying. Because the people who sinned against me, the people who stole from me, can't pay me back. They've been hurt also. They've been sinned against also. They've got this huge disadvantage in the paying back stakes <laughs> that they just can't do it because it's not in them. They're not able to give what they don't have there are only people like me who've had their lives damaged by other people, who've had their lives stolen from by other people, and hurt people hurt people. But once I begin to recognize that these folks that I need to forgive are hurting just as much as I am, then if God is anywhere in the picture, I'm going to find compassion start to rise in my heart. I'm going to find an understanding for their situation and a compassion for them to be blessed and them to be free. And that's when I can give them a gift that they don't deserve.
of letting go of the debt they owe me. So it's not just a head thing of I should do this, I ought to do this, I'm a believer, I'm a Christian. This is what Christians do and I'm going to try. Maybe if I do it seven times that'll be enough. <laughs> that was Peter's mistake. But when we recognize it from the king's perspective, we'll have compassion. So why don't we do that for a second before we wrap this up? Father, let's just deal with one person that you put on my heart right now that I still need to forgive in a deeper way. Show me their face right now. And as you show me their face, would you help me to first of all count the cost of what they did? What it's cost me? What debt am I forgiving? What do they owe me that they can't repay? I may never understand why they did what they did. But with your help, I want to begin to cancel all the debts, to let go of the things they owe me. So Holy Spirit, would you help me have compassion now for this person that I'm picturing in front of me? And then just in your heart, say to them, I want you to be blessed. I want you to be free. And so I cancel the debt you owe me. And I let you go. And as you do, you'll have a sense of freedom coming to your heart. Because this is taking down a wall that has prevented you from receiving what Father God wants to pour into you. So Father, would you help me continue to take down those walls by counting the cost and forgiving those who have wronged me? Because I need you. And I want more of you. And I'm opening my heart to all that you want to do. As we take down the walls through forgiveness, we're able to receive the Holy Spirit in a deeper and a greater way. And very often we haven't been given a clear picture of what the Holy Spirit's role in our lives is. We tend to associate the Holy Spirit with the gifts, and those are wonderful. <laughs> Ask God for more of his Holy Spirit gifts in your life especially to be able to pray in the Spirit that allows your Spirit and Holy Spirit to cooperate together. But we also want to ask uh, Holy Spirit to give us the fruit of the Spirit, where His dwelling in my life makes me more like God, makes me more like Jesus. But the thing that unites all of those things is that He's also the Spirit of Sonship. Do you remember when Jesus was baptized, 
the Holy Spirit came upon him like a dove from heaven, right? And at that moment, he didn't receive power, he didn't receive gifts. He received a declaration. This is my son whom I love, with whom I'm well pleased. And that's what the goal of Holy Spirit coming into our hearts is, is for us to hear his voice saying, you are my child whom I love, with whom I'm well pleased. Later in Jesus' life, he says to uh, his disciples, if you had known me, you would have known my father also. And from now on, you know him and you've seen him. Because Jesus has been living for those three years or so in a spirit of sonship. Out of that revelation, that declaration, this is my son whom I love. And so the disciples have been following him around and watching him do all this amazing stuff. But some of them hadn't got the, the, the understanding that Jesus intended them to have. Because Philip says to him, "Would Lord, show us the Father and that's enough for us. In other words, Philip's been hanging out with Jesus for three years, but he hasn't seen the Father in Jesus, even though the Father says that this is my Son whom I love, with whom I'm well pleased. And Jesus in response says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another comforter, the Holy Spirit, to live in you. So the answer to Philip's lack of understanding is to be sent the Holy Spirit, to be the comforter, the spirit of sonship. In other words, that Philip would experience what Jesus had experienced, that the Holy Spirit comes into his heart. And this is why I'm linking it with what we just did, because as we forgive, that leaves a tender place in our hearts that I'm not holding on anymore to protecting it by wanting to get back at the person I forgave, but now it's got this tender place that needs to be comforted. And the Holy Spirit, the spirit of sonship, comes in to comfort where I feel tender because I've been hurt. And when the Father gives us the spirit of sonship, Galatians 4, verse 6 and 7 says, Because you are sons, and that includes daughters, by the way, God has sent the spirit of his Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you're no longer a slave, but a son, and if a son, then an heir through God. See, when I forgive, I'm letting go of my slavery to the people who wronged me. And I'm becoming or stepping into the freedom of being a son of God. And that spirit of sonship grows as I choose to honor those I just forgave. You see, there's the commandment, isn't there? It's referred to in Ephesians 5, I think it is. I didn't put it in my notes. Ephesians 6. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment, with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. In other words, when I honor those I just forgave, then 
I will find things go better in my heart than they otherwise would have done. The Holy Spirit, the spirit of sonship, comes to comfort my pain and to bring me into the fullness of life that I was created for. So what does it mean to honour? Because any of us who are parents know that we're not worthy of honour in our imperfection. But you don't have to have a perfect parent to honour them. And I'm talking here about spiritual parents as much as biological parents. You'll have all kinds of imperfect people in your life who God has put in your life to be a father or mother to you. And to honour them is to see the price they pay. The word honour in Greek in the New Testament is timeo. And it means the price tag that's placed on something that gives it value. The price that's paid. So as I came to honour my parents, when I understood this for the first time, what I did was I went through my whole memory bank of my life and I plucked out all the good things that they had done and all the places where they had had to sacrifice for my sake. I'd already put aside all the things that I wish they hadn't done and all the things that I wish they had done but they didn't and I'd forgiven those set those at the cross. <laughs> but now I pull out all the good things that I want to honour them for the price they paid for me. Now, even if all you know about your mother or father is that they actually caused you to be a human being and they were never on the scene from there on, you can still honour them because it cost them to give you life. So we can all honour whether we know our earthly parents or not. Same with spiritual parents as well. When, um, when I honour, I recognise that the leaders in my life have paid a price to be my leader. Now they may have been the most ungodly, unhelpful people in the, on the planet, but they still paid a price for my sake. And so when I honour them... The best way for me to honour them is to recognise where I closed my heart to being a son or daughter to them and to ask forgiveness for that. Because all of us have times in our lives where we go, ah, that's enough. I'm not going to be your child anymore. I'm not going to receive you as a father or mother in my life anymore. And so we have to actually ask their forgiveness for not having the spirit of a son or daughter, but having the spirit of an orphan. A little bit like the, son, the younger son in the story in Luke 15 that Jesus told, who said, Dad, I wish you were dead. Give me my inheritance now. I'm off to do my own thing. And as he closed his heart, he went away and lost everything that was his and then came to his senses and came back and asked for forgiveness. Well, actually, he asked for a job, but what he got was forgiveness because he got full restoration. And that's what happens in our hearts when we choose to do this. When we recognize that I had an orphan attitude towards these earthly parents or spiritual parents in my life, and I shut them out. And when I shut them out, I basically shut myself off from my heavenly father and from the spirit of sonship. 
But if I've gone through the process of releasing the debt, then I can ask for forgiveness for my own orphan attitude, at least by asking God to impart that to me. Or actually what you can do is you can write a letter where you recognize the times and the ways that you closed your heart. Now whether you send it or not is up to you, but God will use the writing of it. Trust me, I did it. I've done it several times. There was one time I actually did it to, to honor my parents and to ask them to forgive me for the times that I had gone away from what they wanted and I'd shut them out in my life. They were actually in the room when, when I did this and it was a most beautiful turnaround. This is the only time they actually got to visit us in Toronto. And they came to visit and I'd written out all this honoring and asking them to forgive me when I'd stepped away from receiving them as parents in my life. I was an adult, I had the right to, but it didn't make it right. <laughs> this is not about doing what your parents say. It's about prizing them for the price they pay. Okay? It's not about doing what they say. It's about honoring them, prizing them for the price they pay. But God does something in you when you say, I acknowledge that I closed my heart to you. Please forgive me. I want to open my heart to you again. Now, maybe your parents are not physically available to do that with. You can still write the letter because the spirit of sonship is eternal and constantly present. And he will work in your heart even if your parents are long gone or you don't even know who they are. And when we do that, that brings us to step three. Well, I don't want to say it's three steps because that kind of makes it feel like you can figure out how to do it. But the third part of the picture, the third ingredient to this beautiful recipe is that God continues to put people in your life who rub off on you. Let's see what Paul writes to one of his spiritual sons called Timothy. It's in 2 Timothy chapter 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, according to the promise of the life that's in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. As I remember your tears, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I'm sure dwells in you as well. For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and of love and of self-control. That same Paul wrote to all the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. He said, though you have countless guides or teachers in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. I urge you then, be imitators of me. When we do the other two things, what you'll find is, first of all, God will place in your life people who got something you need 
who rub off on you. It's called the anointing of the Holy Spirit. But you'll also find that as those people rub off on you, you'll find people in your life that you rub off on too. So this is not about, will you be my mother? Will you be my father? (laughs) This is about how does the Holy Spirit want to get all over you so that you rub off on everybody else? Have you ever tried to open a door when you've got hand cream on your hands? Ladies, yeah? You're in the ladies' room. You've got some of that lovely hand cream, that the, whatever the establishment was. But then you try to open the door and you, your hand slips on the knob, right? There's an illustration for you of the power of the anointing. I have clothes that have oil stains on them from grilling or cooking or whatever. And I had oil on my hands and, you know... And and it just kind of gets off on other people, doesn't it? There are people in your life who rub off on you. It's the spirit of sonship. But there's something about each one of you that rubs off on the people around you. It's the spirit of sonship. And there's always more. There's always more. That's why I had David and Joy share. I had no idea what I was doing. We were just waiting for lunch. And he's like, oh, I've you know, spent 30 years trying to research this and I don't know, whatever, you know. Like, hey, never mind all that stuff. Let me pray for you. And he kind of got all oily because I guess I'm more oily than I thought I was. It's the spirit of sonship. Some of you know we have a freedom and wholeness team. These are people that we've checked out and we trust them. (laughs) And we met on Wednesday and I was teaching them about imparting the Father's love. You see, I can teach you. I could go on for another hour, but I won't. But actually what's more valuable to you is if you actually get it. (laughs) Right? Those of you who are being prayed for this morning, you got something. Something rubbed off on you because of the people who are around you. So I'm going to ask the Freedom and Wholeness team to come and line up across the front here. And we're going to end up by just inviting you to come forward and receive the Father's embrace. And all they're going to do is to ask you to be like a little child. You know, you can't receive the Father's embrace if you're a nice mature adult. But if you're a little kid on the inside who just needs to know how much you're loved... You can come forward and be embraced, okay? Now, I promise you, these people are safe. I've checked, okay? <laughs> and, and uh, you know, you can look along the line and find one you feel safest with, okay? But what all we're going to do, I'm going to pick on Graham because he's standing right behind me here. All I'm going to do, they're going to ask you, are you willing to come to God like a little child? And if you're willing to say yes, then they, what, what they want you to do is just put your arms around their neck. And they'll just put their arms around you gently and just begin to bless. And they're going to say something like, Father God, let my arms be your arms and come and show your love to your child right now. And then whatever else God wants to do. Okay? So. The embrace is available. Come get it. And with this, we'll be done.
So when you're done with that, fellowship with one another, come on back next week, all that stuff. Make sure you look at the table over there. There's a bunch of things you need to see. Men, don't forget to register for the men's retreat. But come on forward and receive the Father's embrace. <laughs>